0: Welcome back to another episode of the Inside Japan podcast, which is sponsored by Jobs in Japan, the best place on the Internet to find your next job in Japan. Today, I'm talking with Kasha, who is the founder of Ikigai Connections and Nihongo Jobs, and she helps bilingual and bicultural people find work. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Kasha.
1: Thank you, Charlie. This is very exciting.
0: Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you do.
1: Well, currently I'm based in the US and I have a job board for Japanese jobs in the US. So anybody who is either a native Japanese person or a non-native Japanese person, but knows some Japanese, they can look at my job board and see what opportunities there are in the US. So it's um, right now it's still kind of growing. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. in my third year and it's just still kind of a lot of talking to employers and convincing them of the benefits of these I'm calling kakehashi employees and I'm just really excited to be doing this.
0: That's awesome. Um, Do you find that people who come back to the U.S. after maybe after living in Japan or people in the U.S. who speak Japanese, are there a lot of opportunities for people in the United States to do that?
1: Absolutely. I think that like currently on my job board I have a little over a thousand job ads so there's definitely companies that are looking for people but I'm finding that I need to Uh, help educate both the employers as well as these job seekers on how to better promote them, because I think that a lot of employers don't really know what to do with somebody who's spent time overseas. So -hmm. I find a lot with, especially with jet returnees who've lived in Japan for three to five years, or people who taught English in Japan, and again, I'm focusing on the U.S. right now as I'm speaking, but I'm sure a lot of my comments could apply to other countries as well. Mm. But I find that a lot of people who come, who leave Japan after many years, they come back to the U.S., they um, they kind of don't know where to look. So that's mm. why I also created this, so that I could help them become like a one-stop shop to find out.
0: I see. Um, So what are the kinds of jobs that people generally tend to get when they're leaving Japan that actually involve some of maybe some of their experience, or maybe their Japanese language ability when they do get back to the United States?
1: Well, I'm finding that a lot of, I think, administrative roles are probably the ones that are the easiest to get involved in a Japanese company, because those are the ones where they can use, I mean, they as soon as they arrive in the US, they'll be able to use their skills that they used in Japan, especially the cultural aspect, mm-hmm. knowing how to conduct yourself in Japan, knowing how to, you know, the whole politeness and, and saying the key phrases, even if your Japanese levels aren't, you know, superbly amazing, you'll at least know the, arigato gozaimashita, and, deshita, and like just the key phrases so that if you do want to expand upon your language and cultural skills, at a company, I believe that the best way to get in is through an admin role, but there's really a lot of other um, roles that you can take. I just, um, there's, you know, there's definitely sales roles and engineering. And I mean, there's lots of, you know, CPA and legal, and there's, there's a, an abundance of them. It just wow. depends on, um, your level as well. And one thing that I often talk about is that, um, a lot of the employers may not understand what like the JLPT language levels stand for. So you have to kind of explain that. So I often talk to people who return to the US to say that you have to sell yourself. So I try to help Mm. them with that.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's interesting because you'd think if it's a company that maybe uses some Japanese in the company, that they would know what the JLPT is. Um, But I guess companies in America Who maybe deal with Japanese companies, but haven't necessarily been in Japan very much or haven't got that many people in there who have lived in Japan might not know about that. Whereas it's something that we probably figure out in the first year in Japan if you've actually lived here.
1: Oh, yes, great point. And I can talk about this one forever. So you'll have to stop me. But to summarize, (laughs) I think that because the JLPT is only available in the United States once a year in December. So it was canceled last year in 2020 because of the pandemic. This year, I think it sold, there are less locations and it sold out within. I don't even know, days, hours, and so people aren't having as many opportunities to take the JLPT, and mm-hmm. some people are actually flying to other states to take it, which is just astounding wow. to me, but a lot of the employers, they may hear of the JLPT or Nihongo Shiken in Japanese, but they may not necessarily, if they do know about it, they may not be familiar with the levels and what it requires to take the test, and a lot of, sometimes there's also HR representatives in Japanese companies who may have never heard about it, or they may not, be familiar with what it what it's like to live in japan or in, in the mm-hmm. foreign country and to what it takes to you, you know not necessarily um you can't speak english all the time depending on where you live in japan right sometimes you have to learn the language so they may not be familiar with that experience and i often talk about other tests as well to get to gain familiarity among my followers and companies but it's still i think a lot of companies are still using things like you must be fluent to work at this company but what does fluent really mean so that's something that I try to tell job seekers that they should clarify a little bit in their, in their cover letters or in their interviews and say, hey, I can do this and I'm able to do this. And maybe I don't know your exact terminology because you are in the, I don't know, semiconductor industry. And I've never worked with semiconductors, but I have the basic skills in Japanese to be able to learn those on the job. So just give me an opportunity. So those are the kind of things that I'm trying to empower job seekers with
0: right and i think people who actually can speak japanese reasonably well it's um it's incredible how many opportunities that you'll find overseas, more so than you'd think, because um, yes. I have a friend who actually moved back to the United States a few years ago, and he speaks Japanese really well. He's got the JLPT N1, which is the highest level, and yeah. um, he said he, but he also speaks Chinese to a really high level as well. I think he's from a Chinese family, so he he, um, he nice. came to Japan. He speaks Chinese, Japanese, and English um, to a very high level, and he said he never gets many people, like, uh, asking him about his Chinese level, even though, of course, America does a lot of business with China. But the thing is, there are so many Chinese immigrants in the United States or Chinese second, first generation or second generation, who can speak both Chinese and English perfectly. But the number of people who can speak Japanese is really low. So he was getting offers for, like, really great salaries, like $60,000 and up, like, for almost everything, for all of these kinds of jobs where he was just like, this is this is amazing, just because I can speak Japanese, there's so many opportunities in the United States.
1: Yes, and it also can depend a lot on your background, so if you have like another degree in something, um, mm-hmm. there are some candidates, like I know with maybe it's mechanical engineering and other kinds of engineering, that those candidates will be swapped, swiped up really quickly by employers, because they have this other skill set that they can use to promote themselves, but I believe firmly, and I often talk about this in my webinars, that if you know another language, your the doors open up so much more because you become this rarer commodity. And it's it's hard for you to understand that, especially if you're a job seeker and you're frustrated and you can't find it and you're looking everywhere. Mm-hmm. But it's um it's just one of those things that maybe employers aren't necessarily looking for or they just don't know how much they need you. So mm-hmm. I think knowing another language, especially Japanese, and if you know three three languages, holy smokes, that's that's a huge potential right there. But you just need to be able to um, have the skills to kind of look for these opportunities and apply for them and convince the employer. Right.
0: So what about people who maybe haven't learned Japanese all that well, like they maybe lived in Japan as an, did the ALT job or um, jet program or something for, you know, five years or even 10 years. How do they go about explaining their time as a teacher when they get back home in a way that might actually help them to get hired?
1: Oh, great question. And I'm going to explain it in a slightly different way. I'm going to give you two kinds of job roles that are needed here in the us and then explain how these people can build on these and, ex- and promote themselves and their resumes and cover letter so one role is you're here in the united states and you need to help with travel support for example so there's frequent travel to japan and a lot of times the, let's say, Americans that go there may not necessarily have knowledge of what it's like to buy a ticket at the you know at a train station or how to travel domestically, what to wear, where do they go, what airport do they fly into. So that kind of stuff is something that if you are living in Japan, you might be a little familiar with that. And you may be able to share your cultural skills, even if it's not superbly, you know, language focused. Another role is there's a lot of expatriates coming from Japan to the United States. And typically like I'm in the the automotive industry, Michigan is huge with that. So manufacturing in the United States in general is huge. So Mm -hmm. a lot of States have, you know, these huge plants and manufacturing facilities from Japan. They also have, expats coming here so somebody has to help these expats find a home in the US somebody has to help them get their social security cards and 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 set up their gas and their electricity so that kind of expat support is also another role that I often see so if you are an ALT in Japan for example and maybe your japanese is you know you maybe haven't really been interested in focusing on the language aspect you like to get by because your people skills are great well then that's a great way to promote how you know you're able to communicate with japanese people even though your japanese language skills aren't amazing because you're a communicator and you understand where they're coming from you understand their culture you understand you know how to live in a foreign country so like you're able to relate with people in such a way that is a great soft skill to have so mm. your your time and you know teaching english in japan for example your your customers are japanese people you're serving them so focus on that customer service aspect understanding their culture and being able to help them out in a foreign country Mm -hmm. if you do come back to the U.S. or another country like that. So hopefully that was helpful.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I think I have a friend of mine who lived in Canada and she told me that um, when she, uh, I think her Japanese is pretty good, but she um, usually she's helping Japanese uh, students who are traveling to the United States or living in the United States for study. And um, what she found was that um, because she understood where those people were coming from, and she understood Japanese culture, she could help them when there were issues. And there were a lot of issues that you know maybe uh, someone living in the US their whole life and didn't understand Japan wouldn't realize. Yes. Like Japanese people actually often struggle when they leave Japan to um, understand local culture, or you know yes. they get in a lot of trouble with things like you know leaving their bags on tables, thinking that that means oh this is my table, and they get their bags stolen or something like that. So these kinds of things, she can really help these students who uh, maybe they have like some some issues that they wouldn't know would be issues when they left Japan.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the ALTs and anybody else who's been in Japan, again, regardless of their language ability, you know what it's like to live in a foreign country. You know the the loneliness, the confusion, the, the, the stress that you have. I mean, if you can just relate to what you experienced in the beginning of your Japan journey and you're mm-hmm. able to help somebody else with that, I mean, that is not only is that a great like opportunity to use those skills, but what a great thing to do to help somebody else. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Yeah. It's hard for me to remember that now because I've been in Japan for nine years. So I'm nice. trying to remember what was it like when I first got here? I just remember, I remember just being like wowed by everything and then yes. like confused by everything. <laughs> yes. what I yeah. Yeah um yeah. I, I wonder what your experience uh in Japan was like because um I I we talked about it before that you lived in Japan for eight years is that right
1: that's correct and you it know, what was, was your split up like oh it was just amazing I mean I first went in high school for four months which was extremely extremely confusing because I didn't know anything about Japan it was the first time I was eating you know like agedashi tofu and like just trying these these things that were just so strange to me and and that opened up my eyes when I came back. I was a different person. And I thought I have to go back to Japan again. So four months, that was four months in Shiga. Then I spent a year in Kyoto in my, mm-hmm. my junior year of college, which wow. was amazing to see the, the real like, you know, Kyoto that you're just walking around. My school was right by the Heianjingu and the and this one zoo. So I could just oh, like wow. walk there and you're just surrounded by history. So that was to me another like. Oh my goodness, this is it. I have to be in this country. Then I went back home. Actually, I was at Boston University, graduated, thinking, what am I going to do next? And I was deciding between the JET program and the MEXT scholarship, the Monbuka Gakcho scholarship. I applied for MEXT. I fortunately got it. And they put me into Tokyo. And I said, no, 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 no. I don't want to go to Tokyo. But I went to Tokyo and I fell in love with it. And I spent six years there. So that included um, some six-month Japanese intensive language program. Uh, a year of research and two years of graduate school. And then I got into the music industry where I was helping promote concerts in Japan. So oh, wow. it's just, I still think about my time in Japan as I, I grew the most as a person because I was constantly reminded that, I, I was reminded that my way isn't necessarily the right way, that there's other ways of doing things. And I was, mm-hmm. it was at work and at school and I was faced with all these people from different countries and cultures. And I realized that this world is pretty darn big and there's so Mm. much we can learn. And I was just amazed at, I was just more interested in, in just learning more about the world and people. So It was a very enjoyable experience.
0: Hi everyone, I hope you're enjoying the conversation and I just want to take a quick moment to mention that this podcast is only possible because of the support of jobsinjapan.com. So next time you're looking for a job, check out jobsinjapan.com. There are tons of jobs on there, not only in English teaching, but also software engineering, hospitality, marketing and consulting, among many others. Most of the jobs on the board do not require any specific level of Japanese and you can get started in minutes. So next time you're looking for a job, check out jobsinjapan.com and let's get back to the conversation i think a lot of people don't know about the mixed scholarships so yeah i know someone who came to japan on an ikebana scholarship and um uh and that kind of thing i don't know how people find out about that how did you find out about the mixed scholarship and and what did you come here to for for your scholarship
1: so it's typically offered at your local consulate so Mm -hmm. i applied to my local consulate and they have so if anybody's interested in going to like study in a, like a higher learning education, whether it's for a part of your master's program or higher degree. When I did it, it was quite a long time ago. And I was able to get assistance with a master's degree program. I think now it's a little bit more limited, but basically you are placed in university and you focus on research and things like that. So if anybody's interested, you go to your local consulate, you look at, to see when the applications are, and it's a very intense application process. So I would highly recommend getting familiar with the application regardless of when the deadline is and to really like look into the details you have to have a contact in Japan to kind of help sponsor you so Mm -hmm. it's a little difficult to get now but back when I was doing it they kind of placed me with an advisor so I think things have changed now but it's definitely a great opportunity and that's where my head exploded with so much language learning (laughs) it was yeah
0: yeah um and I I wonder because um because of your connection to Japan um you one of the things that you because your your uh business is called ikigai connections um yes. that word has kind of blown up in the last few years a lot of people have uh, been talking about it and um i remember i think i posted something on our jobs in japan uh facebook page and it was one of the most popular posts we ever did which was about mm-hmm. um this the where ikigai kind of connects is like it's where uh work your passion um, what you find flowing, so what you're, you're good at, and, um, what something to do with your spirit, something that, that actually reaches your, um, uh, like maybe your purpose, um, where all of these things kind of collide in the middle, and it was, um, it was incredibly popular, I think, just because people are really enthused by this topic, so for those who haven't heard of that word before, can you explain yes. what it means, and then, uh, why is that term really an important part of your work?
1: Oh, I love this question. Thank you for asking. I think that Ikigai is kind of like a buzzword, especially overseas now, and people Mm -hmm. talk about it as your purpose. And those four circles that you were talking about, Mm -hmm. they're actually not created in Japan. They're not from a Japanese person. It's more westernized version and explanation of Ikigai, which is something that I learned over time because I was like, who drew these circles? I want to figure this out. And there is a story. And right now I, I, I'm blanking on the actual person's name, but it was not a Japanese person. It was just a way to explain it in a nicer way. And I've mm-hmm. read all the things about Ikigai. I tried in Japanese as well. My understanding and on my website, I clarify it as like your purpose, your passion. But from my understanding of what it means in Japanese is that it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to connect with your career it's just something that really is a part of you that makes you happy and mm-hmm. in my business i talk about the career ikigai so i tell people you don't have to connect you don't have to love what you do but wouldn't life be so much easier and better and happier if you did so if mm-hmm. you have a passion for fixing things you know and you or or science or health or anything and if you have a passion for that and if you can find a way To make it a part of your career and if you want to use nihongo with that which is for most of us who study japanese it's kind of like our ikigai in a sense because we just love it so much if you put that together i think that's a fantastic way to you know live because you're working for so many hours of a of a of your you know living day so that's kind of how i explain it in general but it's been huge over here at least in the united states Mm. showing up in like TEDx talks and that. And it's just, I think it's very interesting. It was also made famous by the author, Dan Butner, who wrote the, the the Blue Zones. So the places in the world where people live the longest. One of them was Okinawa, where they talk about ikigai being one of the reasons that they're living so long. So it's kind of mm. popularized there. But I believe that, yes, if you want to enjoy your career, I think you should be able to, but also remember that it's not going to take like a day to get there. You're going to spend many, many years sometimes, and it's not going to be the easiest journey, but if it's something that you'd like to have as like a Mokuhio or a goal, then it's definitely possible.
0: Yeah. That's fascinating. And I remember going to Okinawa and I, 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 definitely felt the difference in pace there because I live in Tokyo and I know what you like you're when you said mm. that you were being put in Tokyo you're like no 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 I don't want to live in Tokyo <laughs> and I I know what you mean by that like, there, there are a lot of opportunities here but the pace of life here is sometimes like screeching it's like so fast so much yeah. is happening all the time and you really have to like move to keep up and then um I think it was actually this year in during golden week I went to Okinawa mm. for just a week to to relax because you know you can, we can't travel outside of Japan or we can uh, a little bit easier now but mm. there's you know you have to take 10 days quarantine when or 11 mm-hmm. days quarantine when you're going back so um I thought okay well I just want to take a quick trip so I went to Okinawa because you can still travel domestically nice. and um it was it was it was very different it was almost like um I think the people there just have a much slower pace. And I think they're, they're happier for it because, you know, I, I just went there and I, I went for dinner with some random people that I met there and it was a four hour dinner. And I was nice. like, in Tokyo, that never happens. In Tokyo, you, your dinner is done in 30 minutes and maybe you have beers for three, like for an hour or two, and then you've all got to go home or catch the last train because you've got work tomorrow. Right. Whereas these guys were just like, you know, it's it was 12 o'clock and I'm within walking distance <laughs> of my, uh, of my hotel. And I'm just like, okay, well, you know, and they're like, let's go karaoke. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and they, they knew a place and everyone was super kind and really friendly and open. Mm. Um, even during COVID, even, you know, uh, I think the, the people just have that, that way about them. And, and, uh, I remember swimming in the ocean with this, um, I, I met this, uh, like 75, 80 year old guy who is out there every morning just like swimming in the ocean. I was just like, wow, that's like what a life, really. Like <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, that just just hearing that story kind of just calmed me down because I'm also, you know, <laughs> one of those go-getter type people. I wake up and I'm just gonna seize the day. And but it is just so important sometimes to just relax. Something I'm learning every single day is just to stop and think, hey, let's take mm-hmm. a few breaths. Let's just journal let's think about what we want to do and kind of like get to know ourselves because we're so inundated with all these external like social media and advertising tv you know there's so many things coming at us but when it like a lot of people ask me how do i figure out my career ikigai and i'm just like let's get quiet for a second like what Mm kind of lights you up what do you appreciate doing what do you do that you're doing for you know you end up doing it for like three hours but you think it's only been 30 minutes like what are you what do you like to focus on that makes you really happy? Let's focus on that. And if you can't figure that out, what makes you kind of feel like, ugh, I don't want to do this? And it takes, you mm-hmm. know, five minutes lasts like an hour. So those things you want to try to eliminate those and not focus on them. So it's like a life journey that, I think, when you talked about going to Okinawa and just like appreciating the fine things in life, I think mm-hmm. that is part of a tie into this too. So,
0: yeah, it kind of reminds me. Um, I was. Uh... During the pandemic, I was reading Victor Frankl, um, the Holocaust survivor. Oh, yes. And one of the things that he talks about, I'm trying to remember the detail. I mean he's talking about just um uh just watching the sunset from mm. from the concentration camp and just really just thinking like, wow, what a beautiful sunset, and just leaving yourself a little bit behind, leaving your circumstances in mm. your life. You know, I'm I have so much respect for the guy, like I really do. And
1: Man's Search for Meaning, is that?
0: Man's Search for Meaning, yes, okay. that's right. The name of the book. And um, and I think that's one of the things I think that people maybe move a little bit too fast to realize, um, mm-hmm. especially when they're working in, and, and I, you know, there's a lot of um, stereotypes about working in Japan. I think 90% of foreigners don't work anywhere near as hard as their Japanese counterparts and basically do what they would do a, a 40-hour work week as they would in America um, or in the United Kingdom where I'm from. but. Um, I definitely feel like we do need to slow down, um, and I think maybe the pandemic, if there's anything, anything yes. that's happened during the pandemic, it's that people have realized, like, well, I can't, like, I couldn't work 100% of the time during the pandemic, I couldn't, like, you know, because of uh, lockdown, because of working at home, you know, the amount of time that I was spending working, you know, dropped a lot. And I realized like, you know, I actually just really like reading books and it's been, it was really nice sometimes to just take four hours and just, just like plow through half a book and just like, whoa, like I really actually felt that rather than like being on the bus on the way to work going like, okay, quickly read as much as you possibly can because you haven't got that much time, you know, I think it's a, it's a really different experience of it.
1: Oh yeah. This pandemic, I know it's been extremely stressful and awful for some people, Mm -hmm. but And I don't want to say let's try to look at the bright side of things but it has forced us to kind of slow down like you said so Mm -hmm. that could be a good thing too.
0: Mm. Okay so one more question I really want to ask you is um, for people who are living in Japan now because I think about a third Mm. of our audience is um, people living in Japan what can they do right now and in the future to prepare themselves if they, you know, if they're not planning on living in Japan forever, which I think is probably most people, a lot of people come to Japan, they want to experience Japan, but then they do want to go back home afterwards. What can those people do to prepare themselves for success once they leave um because I've been doing that myself you know I, I've uh, I got out of teaching and I've gone into marketing and mm-hmm. you know started a YouTube channel and I've done a whole bunch of other stuff um so that I can have some skills so that when I leave yes. Japan if I if I choose to leave Japan I'm like I'm ready I can do other jobs I'm I'm in demand but even without Japanese skills like what are some things that people can do um to prepare for life after Japan
1: great question I will answer that with three main things. And the first one is um, do your research. So before you move, think about where it is that you want to live. Maybe let's focus on the geographic part first. And if you want to move to California, for example, well, then do your research on California. See what's Japan related over there. And there's a lot. There's Japan America societies. There's consulates. Get on these mailing lists. Figure out the companies that are there and just start Paying attention to these companies, maybe on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, start following them and just start learning about them. Because a little reading every day will help you to get a better idea: a, what kind of companies you may be interested in; and b, what kind of what kind of companies they are. Do you do you you know find that what they're doing is interesting? Do you like their mission statement? Are they do they align with your values? Things like that. I think that's helpful and important. So get on these mailing lists, figure it out, and just have it in the background, like whether it's six months from now or a year from now or two months from now, just kind of like do your research. That's the first thing I would recommend. The second one is, um, I think it's very helpful and I know this is difficult, but right now everything's online. So let's focus on getting some certifications. So polish up some skills that you have and get some certification that um, can prove that you know coding or this or that so that it better prepares you to give you like something for your resume to show the whether it doesn't necessarily have to be a degree or or you know, like such a long-term commitment, but definitely invest in yourself and focus on something that you would like to use in this future career. So if you are into social media, get some social media um, you know, certifications. There's plenty of companies that offer this. Show that you're this expert. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I will talk about networking. This is my favorite topic. I'm actually doing. Um, By the time this airs, this will probably already have been the U.S.-Japan Bridging Foundation. I'm helping them with their webinar series, talking specifically about networking. This is the tool that will help you in your entire career. I think it's completely understated. I don't think people understand how important this is. I think it freaks people out. So Mm. networking can be scary, but think of it as not necessarily an, like, hey, I need to get a job. Let's find somebody and talk to them right now. It needs to be something you're constantly doing, has to be very organic, whether it's online in LinkedIn or social media profiles, or it's in person, which hopefully that will happen more and more. There's online events. You can do that too, but just start meeting people, share what you want to do. Talk about, hey, yeah, I'm in Japan right now. Eventually a year from now, I'd like to go to uh, the United States. I want to go to Michigan and 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 join the automotive industry. And like once you start talking about this, people will like people naturally want to help others. And mm. I find that especially because I'm most active on LinkedIn, I find people doing this all the time. Just talk about what you're thinking of, and you'll see that people want to help you. So I just think it's very important to do that. And if it freaks you out, then. I'm sorry, got to get over that. You have to do this. Like just, you have to connect with other people, especially if you want to work and have careers and work at companies. And it's just a part of life, I think. So can I bridge that gap in your brain and just say, I'm going to like this hypnotize yourself. If you have to, like, it's just very important.
0: Yeah. That's such a good point. And it's something that I think people have a mindset block about sometimes they think they when they think of networking they think of going to like conferences like mandatory things that they have to go to and they don't want to and they've got to like make some connections and hand out their business cards and things like that and really I don't think it's like that at all like really for me um, I mean, what we're doing right now is kind of networking, like exactly. you know, we reached out, we talked on on LinkedIn, you yeah. know, I, uh, I'm interested in what you're doing, you're interested in what I'm doing, we have a discussion, and now I know someone who is in, you know, connecting job seekers in America, so if I, were, I was ever going to America, and I thought, okay, well, I've got some Japanese experience, I can speak Japanese reasonably well, maybe I should reach out and, you know, uh, get some info on a, a job lead or something like that, like those things, and it's not like it's like something where I'm just using you for your knowledge. It's like, well, we've made a good connection. You know, it's like, yes, it's, it's nice. And we can chat. And, and, uh you know, it, I think that it shouldn't be something that people feel is something mandatory that they have to do, yes. but rather just, a, a, you know, just know people, just get to know people, talk to people, make connections with people, and then you'll have friends all over the world. You know, it's an amazing thing.
1: It is exactly. like think of it as, creating friends. And I know what it's like for introverts. And I hear this all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just don't, I can't handle, you know, talking to people or connecting. I don't know how to do it, but you know, Mm -hmm. I think we're all kind of shy at this and it's all scary, but also thrilling. So just start small, start with one person, start with one Mm -hmm. social media and just see what you can do. Like there's, you know, there's networking events that you can join between Japan and the U S and you just join these calls. And there's like breakout sessions that you can go to and you can just say, hello, my name is, and I like this, blah, blah, blah. And that just gets started with something Mm -hmm. small. And especially when you're dealing with like Japan, I think you'll find so many people are just so friendly and supportive and just kind. So that was at least my experience. I've always felt very welcome, even though I spoke like two words in Japanese. (laughs) Um, So whether you're networking with Japanese people or non-Japanese people, I think it's the same. I think we're all, we all want to help each other out and, If you do run into somebody who is an absolute troll or Grinch, then just, you don't have to deal with them. So go to the next person. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Awesome, Kasha. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been absolutely fascinating talking with you. And I think this is gonna be really helpful for a lot of people. So where can people find out more about you and and more about what you do if they want to look into it more?
1: Uh, They can just go to my website, ikigaiconnections.com. Everything's there and you can find all my social media handles, but I am most active on LinkedIn. So if you wanna connect, send me a message. And I highly recommend if anybody connects on LinkedIn, you should add a personal message before connecting. So that's my top tip of the day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.